Good evening. Thank you for coming. Uh, continuing in our discussion of we've been talking about situations where we sit down to a bread meal, and uh, nevertheless, there might be some foods that require their own brachot. So this morning, we introduced this idea that, uh, at least back in the day, uh, there was a very large distinction uh, between the beginning, or I guess the meal, and the after meal. And Shachanaruch described how back in the day, in the times of the Gemara, so they would have a full meal, and then it was very clear that the meal was over, and then anything that they would continue to eat after that point, so it would require not only a bracha rishona, it would require its own uh, opening bracha, and again, not just for meal-type foods, but non-meal-type foods, or I should say the other way, not just non-meal-type foods that would demand their own bracha, but even meal-type foods at that point would require their own bracha, and they would also require their own Concluding bracha, their bracha achronah. The reason for that, Shadonach explained, was because the bracha of Hamoti covers anything that's going to take place at the ikar suda, at the actual, you know, the fundamental part of the meal, not this little after session that used to take place. And Birkatamazon, uh, the benching at the end, only covers food from the ikar suda, from the actual, uh, you know, the main part of the meal, not this after session. So he said that's how uh, the practice used to be. But he says that nowadays we don't have uh, this type of practice, and it's assumed, right? We assume that the meal continues until we bench, right? Even if you clear the table, even if you move the food, doesn't make a difference. We assume that it continues uh, from, you know, the beginning all the way until uh, the point of benching, and therefore, uh, we would never require a bracha achrona on later foods. We might require bracha rishana on opening bracha, depending on what type of food it was, why it was brought to the table, how it's supposed to be consumed, so on and so forth, as we've been discussing over the last few nights. So there is a question that's brought up by some of the uh, modern-day achronim as to what if we could create let's say, a situation where we have something similar to this, where it's very clear that the meal has ended and now we've moved on to something else. So we said typically that wouldn't happen, let's say, at our Shabbos table or at our kitchen table or anything like that. But let's say you go to a wedding. Okay, so imagine the following, right? You go to a wedding. So typically, right, you wash at some point, right? There's some salad and then the, the bride and the groom, they come out and we dance a little bit and then we sit down at our main meal, right? Then comes the second dance set. Okay, so what happens at the second dance set? You get up to dance, and uh, all the wait staff, they come, and not only do they clear all the food, not only do they clear all the silverware, but, like, you can't get that food back. It's not like you go back to the kitchen. It's not like you're clearing and you get to pick, right? That food is gone. You never get to see it ever again. So comes along uh, Rav Vosner, comes along Rav Yashiv, and they say, in that situation, any food that you were to eat after that point, we would have to assume, is not considered as part of the ikar suda, and therefore would demand not only a bracha rishona, but a bracha rishona, aside from the benching that you're going to do. That's what they suggest, because at that point, it's so completely uh, next phase, so much so that they say that at a lot of these weddings, I don't know if this is true at all the weddings that we go to here in America, but, you know, we're uh, well-to-do. They talk about collapsing the tables in order to make room for people to dance. Like, if they're literally collapsing the table, so this has got to be considered the next phase of the meal, and therefore we should fall back on this practice in the halacha that was there. We would require bracha rishana and bracha chrona. Even if you were to somehow sneak some meal-type food, it would still require bracha rishana and bracha chrona. However, uh, Rav Shlomo Zalman argued with this, and Rav Scheinberg argued with this, right? Another acronym argued, and they said, no, 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 it's still considered Ikar Suda. We don't have, I don't know exactly what the setup was in the times of Gemara, but we don't have that at all. And the assumption is that I'm going to eat all the way until the point of benching. That's Ikar Suda. And it's understood, okay, we're going to our second dance set, but we know that dessert's going to be waiting for us uh, when we get there. Or, or maybe I'll have to go to the dessert buffet. But we know that there is going to be a dessert. We're going to get our money's worth for going, right? If I have to buy them a gift off the registry, I'm getting dessert, right? That's how it works. And they understand that uh, this still would not be in play, and therefore we would not require any uh, additional bracha, we wouldn't require bracha chrona, and bracha rishana, we might, depending on what's like, right, if it's dessert, so a good chance that you are going to need a bracha rishana. So it, it, 
I, I said this morning, maybe this is just an interesting history lesson, but then I saw later that the Achronim really tried to uh, find such a case. Maybe we could come up with another one, but that's the one that I see discussed. It seems like you could go uh, either way, and typically we say in a situation of safek, when it comes to brachot, if we're in doubt as to whether or not brachot should be made, we would advise against it. So in this situation, if you're at a wedding and you get up to dance at the second dance and you go back and you want to eat, so I would say uh, you would fall back on the regular halachot, not what used to be back in the, the times of the Gemara. Rabbi Hanan ibn Akash Amir, 